Welcome to the Vineyard. So glad you're with us. Welcome to those of you joining us online as well. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see everybody. And uh, obviously I can't see you online, but great to see everybody in here. Anyway, we're going to continue on in a series we're doing called Are You Ready? And I remember that the bigger idea of this is hope. It's our hope. It's uh, based out of First Peter when we're to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. And so if we don't know what that hope is, it's very hard to give a reason for it. So, so we're taking a big look at this hope because I think when you get a hold of it, it changes everything. And ultimately, it's the hope that we have in, in uh, as we understand new creation and new Jerusalem coming to earth and renewed uh, here and we get new physical bodies. And, and there's so much more to the story than sometimes we thought, where we've often kind of sort of thought the end game was heaven and that was it. And we floated around on clouds. And that's not. That's, that's you know, if we, if these wear out before Jesus comes back, then, then you'll get some time doing that. But there's this a whole amazing restorative life that we have as our hope, and we need to be aware of it, because it really does begin to change things. And once you get a hold of that, the reality, because of what Jesus uh, has done and who he is, we're already engaged in it here in some way. And so it's fascinating, and it changes things. It allows us to move from sort of being totally, you know, caught up in our culture, because we're impacted by our culture, there's no way around it, but, you know, as I started this series, I said the main motivations in our culture are fear and greed, uh, greed and fear, that's what the enemy uses, right, power of sin, power of death, but what Jesus shows us is he defeats those, and, and we're to be motivated now by love, and that changes everything, and you can see it in the way Jesus interacts with people and the things that he does, he has a whole different sort of motivation, and we're to have that as well, and when we get a hold of it, and knowing your hope allows you to make that transition, then things begin to change. So that's what we're really digging into. And we started in the New Testament, did quite like, you know, about a month there. And then we started shifting back to pick up some of the Old Testament story so you can see how it all works. So that when I continually tell you that Holy Spirit now lives in you and you're a temple, you're a place where heaven and earth meets, you can watch it happen through the Old Testament and see all the things that point to it. And then it hopefully begins to really settle upon us. And what's going on? So last week we we were looking at David and we talked about, you know, his desire to build a house for the Lord. But the Lord says, no, I'm not going to have you do that. Your son Solomon will do that. Uh, but uh, I'm going to build a house for you and a family. And we saw the immediate uh, fulfillment with Solomon as he builds a temple and then the presence of God shows up. And then we saw the family aspect of that is going to be in Jesus and includes us. So that's what we talked about last week. Today we're going to look in Isaiah going to fill in some more of the the story for you and we'll also be talking about the kingdom of god a very important concept to get uh as it helps our hope and that when you hear me talk about kingdom of god remember because often we read about the kingdom of god and you immediately think heaven because of what how we've sort of been trained and it's not it has to do with god's rule and reign his authority it's not a geographical place the kingdom of god it's the the rule and reign of god it's god reigning in our lives so we're going to start looking at that okay that was the intro. Bad jokes. These were bad, but I enjoyed them. I was talking to a guy who invented a pencil with an eraser on each end. I couldn't see the point. Okay, now listen. You've got to think about this one. An older parent texts, Hi, son. What do IDK, LY, and TTYL mean? The son texts back, I don't know, love you, 
and talk to you later. And the parent replies, it's okay, don't worry about it, I'll ask your sister. (laughs) Okay, this is more of a thought than a joke. Why do they lock gas station bathrooms? Are they afraid someone will get in there and clean it? That's all I got. Alice, my love, please. You get a you get a picture. Every time Alice comes up, it's a picture of God rescuing me. It's like a little Exodus example. <laughs> Your Exodus out of Egypt, a bad joke. Please save me, please, from this. <laughs> There's no saving you from those jokes. This place I tell I'd you, every my... week, Billy sends him really good jokes. Really good ones. And these are the ones he chooses. T-T-Y. Okay. Let's press into Papa again, shall we, before we read the word? Thank you, Lord. Papa, you told us that you are gentle and humble in heart, and that we could come to you with everything in our lives, that we could, if we were weary or burdened, we could bring it to you, and that you would take it and you would lift us up. Father, that you would show us a way where there is no way. Father, that you would change our perspective and lift us up on wings as eagles. I pray today, Father, that as we study your word and worship you further, you would again reveal to us all that you want us to see and all that you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please? The text today is out of the book of Isaiah 52, chapter 52, verses 7 through 12. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the article of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Blessed be the word of God. Y'all can be seated. All right, so. Wait, I gotta get a sip of coffee. Because I thought about it. If you did, so I told you, I think we've, with the new sort of foyer setup, we've, we're using baby's coffee out there, and we're fresh grinding it. So, it is, yeah. Okay, so remember one of the one of the other big themes that we're talking about is uh, that run through is exile, Exodus, Tabernacle, and you're going to see that over and over again in the Scripture. 
And the, all the ideas of exile is that we don't do what God encourages us to do. We decide to go our own way and we end up following a, a false god. And we're exiled. That's it. We're, you know. And then because God loves us, there's always an exodus for us. He always makes an exodus. And you can see it with the main exodus. But also you can jump in just ahead in the Old Testament and read the book of Judges and you'll see God making a way out, rescuing his people who've been exiled. And it's because he wants to dwell with us. The idea of tabernacle, it's the heart of God. It has been from the beginning. This idea of, of him wanting to dwell with us. Tabernacle, a place where heaven and earth meet. A place where we're together with God. All those things are happening. And, and this is something that you'll see throughout the scripture. And you need to be aware of it. Because um, we were all exiled. Because we all sinned. And God rescues us. Jesus is our exodus. He makes a way for us. And now he wants to dwell with us. And we have all the promises of what that's going to look like in the future. But it's already happening because Holy Spirit lives inside all of us who believe. We're a place where heaven and earth meet. So, so you... Here's, here's why I keep going over these ideas. I just think that we... It's so mind-bending for us to grab a hold of the idea... That we're a place where heaven and earth meet. That we're in overlap. That we are so sort of convinced in our, we think about heaven is way distant and God is way distant. That, that it's hard for us to sort of live this out and you need to be constantly reminded, all of us. You need to think about it every day. Holy Spirit dwells in me. He's a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance. We have a relationship. He leads. He guides. And I need to be leaning in and listening. And that, that you need to, Continually do that in your own lives. Remind yourself because our enemy doesn't want you to live like that. And he will immediately try and steal it from you. The moment we finish talking about it here, it'll just like, he gets it out of your brain. He puts something else in there and then you're not thinking that way. And that's why it's so important that you see these stories and you understand this theme in scripture so that you begin to live differently now, because that's what God wants for us to, to, to connect into our eternal life already. With him. And so, last week, as I said, we saw Solomon build the temple and then he prayed because he was a little concerned about whether or not the presence would show up because he might not look good. And I, you know, I told you the way he asked, listen, uh, God, you may not be about me, but just because of David, my father, would you come? And he comes. The presence of God comes and fills the temple. It's the, the Shekinah glory of God is there. It's evident. It's real. It's experiential. Um, now, not everybody has access. Only the, you know, the high priest at that point in time is a representative of us. But still, the presence of God is there and it's real. The Shekinah glory of God. There's a place on heaven and earth where that's happening. Unfortunately, the people rebel, as we are wont to do. And continually rebel, even with opportunities, until the point in when they're about to go off into exile. And the, uh, God's going to raise up the Babylonians. The Babylonians are going to come and they're going to destroy Jerusalem and they're going to destroy the temple. And again, there'll be no place on earth where heaven and earth meet. It's just going to go. And as that's happening and as that's coming, we can actually see the scripture records for us the presence of God leaving the temple. Watch these three chunks of scripture in Ezekiel. Fascinating. Uh, chapter 10, verse 3. Now, the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in, and a cloud filled the inner court. 
And then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. So the glory of the Lord was parked there on top of the cherubim. That's how things were going on in the Holy of Holies. And the cloud filled the temple and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of God. So he was, but he's moved now, the, the presence of God has moved to the threshold, kind of like to the door, not where he's been, the presence has been, it's, it's shifting. Uh, uh, in, in this whole thing. Remember the glory of the Lord? Remember the promises? There's that ultimately that's what's going to happen. The, the knowledge and the glory of God will cover the whole earth. And I've already told you in part it's happening because that's something to do with us as his royal priesthood and the presence, Holy Spirit in us, that, that in us that glory is already happening. But there was a spot in the temple, but now they were going their own way and the glory was starting to shift. Verse 18, a little later. Same chapter. Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple... And stopped above the cherubim. And while I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground. And as they went, the wheels went with them. And they stopped at the entrance to the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of God of Israel was above them. Now he's moved from the threshold of the temple all the way out to the east gate. You see the presence is shifting. And then, look what happens. Chapter 11, verse 23. The glory of the Lord went up from within the city and stopped above the mountains east of it. It's a picture of the presence of God leaving. And it's so sad when you see what's happening because it's the heart of God to dwell with us, but we go our own way and now there's no place again on the earth where heaven and earth meet. And yet that's always the heart of God, right? So the Babylonians come in, just so you know, and they destroy Jerusalem and they destroy the temple and the people of Israel are taken into exile. They're taken into captivity. They're gone for 70 years. While they're gone, the prophets and like all of them start speaking during this time about a new temple. And so they start to get encouraged. And, and, and we were reading about that in Isaiah. And you can read in Jeremiah and see it and some of the other ones. This, this thing is going to happen. But what's it going to look like when it happens? That's the big question. Because they're not really sure. What will it look like when the presence of God comes uh, on this whole thing? So Isaiah says it looks like this. When, when God reigns once again, when the kingdom of God is back, he says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns, the kingdom of God is here. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices and they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst in the songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So, so the picture that's painted here of, of what they're, they, you know, God's reign, the kingdom of God is going to be is the Babylonians, Babylonians, Babylonians. The Babylonians and the Babylonians, a lesser known group of people, sort of distant cousins. <laughs> the exile's over. The exiles themselves, the exiles will get to return. And God is going to dwell with his people and let his glory be known on the earth. That's what Isaiah says it's going to look like when it's happened. And then, and the prophets are coming in and they're saying, listen, uh, Jeremiah, he says, look, when, the, when all this happens and uh, when, when God comes back to the temple, the new covenant will be restored. Restoration is going to happen. The spirit will be given because God will have come back to his house. So that's what they're looking for. And after 70 years, sure enough, of Babylonian captivity... Nothing to do with the Babylonians. The Cyrus, King Cyrus says, okay, you can go back to Jerusalem and you can rebuild your temple. And so off they go. They go back to Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple. But there's a problem. No presence of God. 
the Shekinah glory of God is just not there, and they know it. They know it's this isn't it. You know, there's a there's a they, there's a sense of because of you know Torah being read there and everything, but it's not what they were looking for. It's not what the and and they're not really sure what to look for. Like like is it you know in in Isaiah fifty two uh, twelve um, uh, is it like uh, what we had at the Exodus with the the pillar and the cloud? Because Isaiah sort of points to that. He says, "You will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your your God." Is that is that what they're looking for? Is it more like those Ezekiel passages where there's these Things whirling and spinning and all sorts of stuff happening. Um, they're, they're not sure if that's what they're supposed to be looking for. But nothing is happening. And then Malachi comes along. The last Old Testament prophet. And he says, basically, listen. Oh, yeah, it's happening. But it's not going to look like anything you've been expecting it to look like. He says, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So Malachi finally says, oh, don't worry, he's coming, but it's not going to look like what you're expecting. And, and so we can understand from that passage, now looking back, we make clear to us, who's the messenger to prepare the way of the Lord? John the Baptist. Crazy John, as they call him in The Chosen. Freaky John. Creepy John. Because he's locust and he dresses funny. Um, John the Baptist shows up and prepares the way of the Lord so that we know then who we were looking for was Jesus, right? We know it now. They were having trouble grasping it then, but we know it now. And what, de- what happens is, is that Jesus embodies heaven and earth. So there, there hasn't been a place where heaven and earth met until Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He is where heaven and earth overlap. He is the place where heaven and earth overlap. And I love this in verse 10. See, because here's what had to happen of Isaiah 52. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Now, you need to think what's happening here. So, so God always wants to work with us. That's his heart. But we always mess it up. Always, always, always mess it up. You get, we just all of it. Even the very best one in the scripture, they mess it up. They mess it up, mess it up, except for Jesus. So what does God do? What that says is he's going to bear his holy arm. God will raise up, and he'll roll up his sleeves himself. He's going to come and make it happen, because that's the only way it's going to work. So he comes. Jesus comes. Fully God, fully man. That's because of this verse. And everybody's going to see it. The nations are going to see it. They might not recognize it, but that's not, that's, it's going to happen because God wants to fulfill his purposes on earth. So he's going to make it happen. He's going to come and do it himself. We, we live in a culture where too often people think that God's this big meanie who doesn't care about us. And the only way he could be pacified was by killing his son. Like he's a, he loves us so much, and we could never make it work, so he comes and does it for us. And then demonstrates the height of love by his willingness to lay down his life so that we can have life. So he rolls up his sleeves, he's going to do it himself. Then, and we're going to dig deep into what I'm about to say next week. The Apostle John, I see, he gets it. After the cross and the resurrection, he gets it. And he's looking back, and, and John, you know, the apostle, the gospel of John is so amazing. And he begins to link what's happening to the story I've been linking with you. He takes it back to the creation account. And he, John 1, his prologue, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's making these links. Now, remember, we talked a few weeks ago. I said at Genesis, we had 
Everybody there, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You had you had the Spirit hovering over the water. You have Father, and when He speaks, that's the Word. It's this picture of everything happening, and now we're we're watching them be restored too. I've shown you that. The Jesus has come. The Son has come. Holy Spirit has come. And when everything's set right, Father's come, and everything is the way it's supposed to be. But John is making this great link, and then in verse fourteen, he adds this. Then the Word became flesh and made His dwelling. Among us, that word dwelling, I, and I, you've heard me say this before, I hope, that it's, it's, it's going, oh, I've heard him talk about this before. What does that word mean? It means he pitched his tent, or he tabernacled. John's saying, the, the, remember, and we just read in Exodus 40, remember tabernacle, what happens, and the glory of God shows up? And, and so listen to what he says, the word became flesh. Jesus comes, flesh, makes tabernacles among us. We have seen his glory. That's what's supposed to happen when the presence of God shows up. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he's tabernacled. He's come. All these things are happening. And then he he goes to the temple that they've rebuilt where there's no presence of God. And he's there. And so when he says this, listen, this is what John is saying. Uh, And he says in verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will rise it again in three days. And the the Jews replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to do it in three days? But the temple he'd spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus... All of a sudden, everything opened up for them and all it just made sense. And these guys knew this. And all of a sudden, everything just opened up before their eyes. See, this is my hope. Because I know a lot of you guys have read this and spent some time with this. And I've been encouraging you to read it more. But my hope is that for some of you, it's going to go, wow, all of a sudden. It will completely change from sort of a dutiful meh to all of a sudden. Do you do you know what's in this book? Have you ever seen what God has done because he loves us? Do you know the hope that we have? I can't wait to read. How does that story end? What happens next? I never saw that before. I can't tell you how many times I've read this book. Do you know how often I say to myself, I've never seen that before. That's when you get your hope right, that's what starts happening. That's what this should be like for you. That's what this life should be like for you. You should you should dig in there. Like I've been read go back and read from Isaiah forty to Isaiah fifty five. Just read and watch things pop out at you as you get a hold of these ideas. But all of a sudden it's making sense to John. And when you read, we're gonna read John one next week. You need to know that when John writes his gospel, he didn't start with John one. He he wrote it all and then As he figured it all out, he goes back and he puts John 1 in there. I'm sure it's a prologue, and it's a lens for the whole thing. We'll talk about that. Because when you get what happened at creation, that he's the word, and what he's done, and he's come and tabernacled, and he was a place where heaven and earth met. And he says, i got to go, because when I go, what I'm going to do is send Holy Spirit. And guess what? You're going to be a living temple. You're going to be just like I was. Forgot where I was. So they make these connections, right? With Jesus, all of a sudden, they didn't, he, didn't, he, he, he doesn't have 12 tribes. What's he got? He's got 12 disciples. He goes to Egypt, just like Israel. And he gets delivered out of Egypt. He goes through the waters, just like they did. He goes into the wilderness. And then he, what's he, he goes up on the mountain. 
And he gives them the new way they're supposed to live. Do you remember when that happened after the Exodus? And Exodus gave them the ten words? They're, they're just, when it, when it opens up for them, that's what my hope is. When it begins to illuminate like that, your life changes. And that's what God wants for you. Is, is not, oh, this is a boring set of rules. Yeah, okay, I got them, ten. That's okay, we'll do those ten the best we can, but whatever. And eventually, hopefully, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. Wow. <laughs> and there'll be some clouds and some harps and... That's not the kind of hope that gets people excited about this relationship that we have with the living God, with Holy Spirit living in us, who gives us access to all these amazing gifts and miracles and power and life-changing things. And we get to see people's lives changed and all those things happening. That's, that's what we're up to, and we're just going to keep on doing it. And what we do now makes a difference forever because we are already the portable presence of the Lord. And that's a big connection that Paul's going to make when he keeps trying to tell us these things about what that looks like. Let me read it in verse 11, first Isaiah. Go from there, touch your own clean thing, come out from be pure. You who carry the vessels of the Lord. It's a picture of, of carrying the presence of God. And guess what? That's what we do. We now, because Holy Spirit is with us, you, you carry <laughs> Jesus with you everywhere you go. So God came, Jesus came and he had God everywhere he went, right? And now we have Holy Spirit. Holy, we take Jesus with us everywhere we go because Holy Spirit is in us. So we're a picture of this temple that he talked about. And we've looked at those verses several times in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 where I've said, Paul says, individually you're a temple, corporately we're a temple. And then he says in Ephesians, check this out, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens. You're, you're not just sort of individuals that don't matter. Or, hey, I'm, I'm sort of in the kingdom, but nobody cares and nobody knows, but I'm glad I'm in. No, you're, you're, you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We talked about the family that was going to happen. You're that. You, you, that's, when, when you get that, <laughs> I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Holy Spirit actually lives in me. When that really resonates with you, it changes the way you do your daily life. You've got an enemy that's going to try and not let it happen. Steal that away. Don't let that word resonate. That one's going to get ripped out before you get in the parking lot. Someone will have parked funny next to you. <laughs> and you're going to be mad at that person and forget everything that you heard. And the enemy just goes, that's gone. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. The glory of the Lord throughout the whole earth. See, that's what's supposed to be happening. It happens in us. And it's all part of this amazing story. So what does it mean? Take it in. Let it resonate with you so that it begins to change you daily. And it... it there's no life like this. There's nothing like this. And, and God wants us to live those full and abundant lives. Those, that, that life. That is, when I say that, that doesn't mean there's never any issues or never any hardship. This is a broken, hard world. We're dealing with hard things. But we have Holy Spirit. And everything is different because of that. And we're already living our eternal lives. And because of what he's done and how he's broken through. So I want you to think about those things. 
and really meditate then. I'm on this week. And then next week, I'm going to be in Heart in John chapter 1. So get that read and uh, come ready and we'll, we'll be going in there together. Alice, come up. Let's pray. Papa, um, you're amazing. And my hope is that the realization of who you are and what you've done and what's happening and what we're a part of, that it would resonate with all of us in a different way. That it wouldn't just be things that we read about or things that we maybe heard, but we would live it. That we would get a hold of the idea that we're the church and that God is at work and that he's still using us and working in us. And we're a part of this amazing story. And we're moving towards the time when you're coming back. But, but until then, we're, we're just fully engaged with you and things are still happening and taking place in mighty and, and miraculous ways. And let us live like that, God. So I would just pray, God, that, that you would give strength to each person here. You say in your, in your word, God, that those who wait on you, they'll be renewed and strengthened. And I would pray that right now that, that each person here would just find that strength in you. And that you would just stir that little bit of excitement in them when they realize, wow, I'm a part of this. And God, you, you pursued me. And you loved me. And you invited me. And it would begin to change just every day, a little bit more about this life that you live. This love that you have for Jesus. Alice. Amen. I feel like there's someone here, maybe more than, probably more than one of you, and you're struggling with a family relationship, a close personal family relationship. You're kind of going over it and over it in your mind, nursing and rehearsing, rehearsing it. But the Lord says to you today that... In the kingdom of heaven, victory often comes through surrender. In fact, it always does. And so he would say to you today, let it go. And if you need to sing the Frozen song, it's cool. (laughs) Let it go. Amen. Amen. Well, it all starts with Jesus, folks. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? We, we believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. Jesus is Lord. That's how we start his story. If you've never done it, do it today. Best decision you will ever make. I just like to know when you, when you decide. So if you do, you can text that word to me uh, at 305-745-7513. And that would be great. And uh, TTYL. I don't remember the initials, but I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Talk to you later. Good. Thank you for your generosity, everybody. You guys are amazing. And uh, just, just appreciate your faithfulness to your giving and your tithing. And let's sing doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Amen. 
May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. We'll get these doors over here open for you so you can go out. That way, have a great day. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. God bless you guys. And uh, thank you, everybody online. We love you. Have a great day. And, uh, you know, thank you for being a part of everything that God is doing in all of us. Read your Bibles, guys. Amen.
welcome to church. I'm Kimberly, and I'm here to give you this week's announcement. Starting things off, we are going to have a night with OMY, our youth group, middle schoolers and high schoolers. That's going to be on June 2nd here at the church starting at 6 p.m. You may have noticed I'm in our new coffee foyer. We have our refreshments and we're going back to self-serve. So you can get your ice water, your hot water for tea, your baby's coffee. There's Cuban coffee back there. You can get all of that at the counter here behind me. And then you can just step to the left. And we've got our whole station for prepping all your delicious drinks. So, yay, self-serve! Last but not least, don't forget to download our new church app, the Keys. Okay, you can cut that out, right? Last but not least, don't forget to download the new KBC app. It's going to be on any of your app stores. Look for the new church logo. We're so glad you chose to join us today and we're looking forward to spending time worshiping the word with you let's get ready for church all right everybody welcome thanks for joining us online we're so glad that you're with us now and now that you're here we can we can really get going uh worship's been great so we're going to hop into that and then i'll be back into the series are you ready have some neat things to talk about today about uh, about well we're gonna you'll, you'll see just hang on here we go Good morning. Welcome. It's great to see you guys. Glad you're all here. Uh, let me tell you what we will be up to this morning. We start our services with communion, and Pastor Fran will be leading us in that. Uh, after communion, we'll have our time of worship. Then Pastor Regina will come up to teach the children a Bible verse. And then my dad has our message. It's Are You Ready? Part 7 today. So uh, before we jump in, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather here this morning and to fellowship with one another and to worship you. Lord God, would you come now? Would you fill our hearts with your presence, Lord? Open our hearts to receive your great and abundant love for us, God. We want to experience your presence in our lives. We want to encounter you today. So would you come, Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit. Uh, as we get ready for church, Lord, we join with the churches who are all over the world proclaiming your gospel with this calling. Almighty God, you taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant to us by the same Spirit to judge all things rightly and rejoice always in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. Pastor Fran, would you please celebrate communion for us? And the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. St. Mark took the cup. So last night of the Passover celebration, cups of place and sanctification and poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, which cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance for remembrance we call communion or Lord's Supper. He said, From now on, when we get together and partake in this meal, I want you to remember me. Says so friends gather this morning, we too can partake in this meal, the bread and the cup, the Bible of the Lord. We remember, give thanks, remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. When my brother died and rose again, what remember with all thanksgiving that it's coming back soon. So on this table the elements communion, the bread and the cup, the Bible of the Lord. Table's open this morning to all who believe. Says so we worship when you feel led by the Spirit. Go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. We're going to enter into worship now, and I would encourage us all to sing and to lift our voices and to participate. 
If you're watching online, please sing with us. Lift your voices in your living rooms and chat hallelujah, all that good stuff. If we're here in the room now, uh, we can hear you guys join us in these songs, so please do. We'll see the words pop up on all the screens. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. He is the God who fights for us.
great revival to my soul. Let the Holy Spirit come and take control and send a great revival to my soul. Sing that with me. Send a great revival to my soul. Repeat that. Send a great revival to my soul. Let the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit come and take control and send a great revival to my soul. Savior, you part the seas for us, you turn them into highways. So Lord, I'd ask you turn us into an army for you, amen. Amen, you are good God. As we're here in your presence, Lord, I would ask that you would be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken, that are taught to us, use those words to stir up our hearts towards you. And Father, I would ask that you be with those working with our children today. Anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your holy name I pray. Amen. 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 And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good. Oh, you guys are fast. Wow. Hi, guys. <clears throat> okay, so I hear somebody's birthday, too. Okay, cool. Well, guys, today we're going to learn about Paul. And Paul, you know, he was a good writer, right, Jacob? Yeah, he wrote really good letters. But he was writing a letter to the people who lived in the city of Galatia. And guess what they were called? The people living there. They were called Galatians. Isn't that neat? Yeah, like Galatia, Galatians. Yeah, so he wrote them a letter. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Okay, so Paul was writing them a letter because after he left them, guess what happened? Some people came and they were false teachers. Do you know what false means? Not true, right? Not true. That's right. They were false teachers telling them that they needed to obey the law Plus, believe in Jesus, right? And Paul was like, that is not true, right? That is not what we do. He said this. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God, right? By trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Very good. We live by faith. It is a free gift of God. Did you know that? There's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. Okay? No, we live by faith. No, we live by faith. Very good. No, we live by faith. That's right. Good job. Awesome. Okay, so you guys ready to repeat the Bible verse with me? Okay, so it's Galatians 3.11. Galatians 3.11. Very good. So, so it is clear it is clear then no one can be made, can be made. Right. right, good, with God, with God, very good, by, by, keeping, 
housekeeping. The law. By what? The law. Very good. Let's see. For the scriptures. For the scriptures. Say. Say. It is. That a righteous person, person, anybody want to help me? Has, has life. Have life. Yay! Good job. Awesome. Yes, we have birthdays. It's Brooke's birthday. Yay, Brooke! And it's also it's also Carolyn's birthday, and she's over there. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. when it's your birthday, you get a sticker. Isn't that cool? Who's? Is it Micaiah's birthday? No. Oh, okay. And, Mac- and Micaiah's birthday? Pastor Steve's birthday is coming uh, up. Mine's birthday this week, too. Yeah. Thank you. Well, find, peel it for me, because I can't see that. You know what I'm talking about? Who knows what I'm talking about? There we go. All right, so. So it's Micaiah, and it's Brooke, and it's Carolyn, and it's Rachel, but she's not here. And it's, okay, and it was actually Angie's last weekend, and she wasn't here. So. But that's too many names, so we're just going to sing happy birthday and go for it. All right, you ready? You guys going to help me? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday Brooke and Carolyn and Mackay and me. And Angie. Birthday to you. And Rachel, who's not here. Happy birthday. That's awesome. That's really good. Thank you. All right, guys. So, you know what we do now? Do you remember what we do? We're going to pray, okay? So, we're going to bow our heads. Very good. Lord God, thank you so much, Lord God, for our lives, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you made it so easy to be friends with you, Lord God. And I pray that the little ones will always remember, Lord God, that there's no end or plus, Father. There's just Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. Welcome to everybody joining us online. We're so glad you're here. As well, today we're continuing on in a series we're doing called, Are You Ready? And uh, this, this series is about hope. It's about knowing our hope. In First in Peter, we looked at this. It says you need to be ready. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And so the idea is that we, we really get a hold of what our hope is. And that we have this incredible hope of of this amazing now and forever life. And and we know, you know, in Revelation 21, that, that New Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to earth. Earth is renewed and restored. And we're given new physical bodies. And and that it, then we continue. We get back to what it was supposed to be like at creation. And then we, we go. And, and that that is extremely exciting and hopeful that for... Uh, 
for many folks, maybe we, we got the end point a little wrong and we kind of thought, well, you know, heaven is it. And then and nothing that heaven's going to be cool. But what do we do? And we kind of float around with, uh, you know, get a harp and float around in the clouds. And it's not. But it's way more than that. And everything is pointing towards what's happening in this restoration and this new creation and, and the heart of God from the beginning. And so we're digging into it. In the, so you get the whole story. So that if someone asks you what the hope you have is, you can begin to talk to. You're going to be ready to talk about. It's a bigger story than what people have tried to make it. And they, they try to make it so different than what it really is. So we have to dig in and explore and understand what's happening. And, and so a big part of what we're doing is making sure that we understand the idea about, you know, Heaven and earth overlapping, the idea of tabernacle, that God wants to dwell with us, that, that heaven and earth aren't millions of miles apart. They, they overlap. There's a connection. And, and we had it, obviously, with Jesus, and we know the Holy Spirit and us, we talked about that, but now we're going back, and we're deepening it by looking at how it all begins to work itself out in the Old Testament. And we can see these stories and these big themes that are running, the idea of exile, exodus, Tabernacle, and I want you to be looking through those throughout the scripture and how important they are and how they fit. And, and we are taking a big look together at all these things. So last week we were looking at David, his desire to build a house for God, but uh, God said, no, you're not going to do that. But his son was going to do it, and, and we see Solomon build the temple. But the family that is kind of promised, that comes through Jesus, and we tied into that. This week we're going to dig deeper into that by looking into Isaiah, and uh, we're going to start talking about the kingdom of God. Um, and when you read about or you hear me talk about the kingdom of God, I want to make sure you know that I'm not talking, that's not a reference to heaven. Again, we often think of, these things, well, that's a geographical reference to heaven, the kingdom of God. It's not. The kingdom of God always refers to God's rule and reign, God's authority to rule and reign. That's what's going on there. And so, again, our thinking is kind of challenged in that way and that we tend to think of it, oh, they're talking about heaven. They're not. This is God's, what it looks like when God's reigning uh, on the earth. And so we're going to see pictures of that beginning here in Isaiah. So that's where we're headed. Let's do the jokes real quick. Oh, I was talking to a guy who invented a pencil with an eraser on each end. I, I couldn't see the point. <laughs> oh, you got to listen to this one. An older parent texts, Hi, son. What do IDK, LY, and TTYL mean? And the son texts back, I don't know. Love you and talk to you later. And the parent replies, it's okay, don't worry about it, I'll ask your sister. <laughs> Last one is more of a thought than a joke. Why do they lock gas station bathrooms? Are they afraid someone's going to sneak in and clean them? So now... This is a living picture of Exodus right here. As Alice is going to come up and make a way of rescue for me. <laughs> to take way. me from exile. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's a, it's a terrible burden. <laughs> the, uh, the second one was probably the best joke of the month. I just want to say the TTLY and I don't know that one. That's, a, that's high praise, but probably way longer than a month. 
probably, but I'm giving you grace on that. And do you remember when we used to do uh, we used to do acts of kindness, and we would actually go and clean bathrooms like that? Do you remember? So it is a thing, but it's probably not why they lock their doors. <sighs> anyway, that was no charge. Let's go ahead and press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Oh, Daddy, you're so good to us, Lord. Father, you told us that if we came to you with our burdens and our heaviness, you would bring rest to our souls. And so, Father, whatever's going on in our life this morning, we lay it before you. We know you can handle it. In fact, Lord, you're the only one who can. We love you. I pray a blessing over each family here today, each family listening. You would just watch over them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Isaiah, and it's chapter 52, verses 7 through 12. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings and proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Blessed be the word of God. You can be seated. She she just said TTFN. (laughs) Keeping it going. Ta-ta for now. All right, so, as I was saying, the themes, you know, heaven and earth, and then this idea of exile, exodus, and tabernacle. And you'll see that exile is, is what happens to us when we quit following God and go our own way. And, uh, and you know, there's a picture of us as we get kicked out of the garden, and that happens. You see it again, you know, as the people of uh, Israel are in Egypt, and they're in exile. And, and then God, because of who he is, and because he wants to dwell with us, he makes a way of rescue. It's an exodus. And we, we obviously we see the big exodus. You can go read about it. But throughout the scripture, there's this idea of exodus. That, and what happens after exodus is tabernacle. There's a place where heaven and earth meet. There's this dwelling of God with us. And that's really important that you're going to see it. And if you, if you go and read the Old Testament, if you read the book of Judges, you'll see that picture over and over again. You see it with us because, you know, we were um, under the enemy's influence. And God makes a way of exodus for us in Jesus and rescues us. And now we're tabernacle. The Holy Spirit dwells in us because of what he's done. And so it's important to get a hold of these bigger pictures. Because my, my thinking is when you do, it changes everything. When you make a connection with the hope that we really have, 
It will absolutely change the way that you live now. And I've been saying this, you have an enemy who doesn't want you to connect this. And he'll do everything he can to steal it away from you right as you hear it. But I want you to hear it again, the story, and we're going to continue to connect these bigger pictures together. So we see that, that the entire scripture has been pointing at this all the way along. And so last week, if you were with me, you saw Solomon does indeed build the temple. Uh, because until then... You know, the presence of God was in the tabernacle, and, and David wants to build the temple, and, and he doesn't, but he gets it already, and Solomon builds it. And then I love the prayer that we looked at Solomon. He gets up there and he prays, and Solomon's not exactly sure that... And he doesn't want to look bad, right? He's pretty... Build this temple, and if the presence of God doesn't come, it's not going to be great. And so, and I told you how I love how he prayed, because he says, you know, God... Would you do it for David, my father? Puts puts everything in there. And sure enough, the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the glory of God comes and fills the temple. And it's palpable. The presence of God is there. And even though it's in a, in a special spot and there's only access by the, 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 the high priest, you know, and all kinds of limitations, there is a place where heaven and earth meets. And it's happening there at the temple. And everything is, is good. Well, over time, what happens is the people rebel, like we all do, and they start going their own way. And it messes up their relationship with God once again. And we actually see recorded for us the presence of God leaving the temple. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking and yet fascinating to see that it's in the scripture. And uh, you can look at it in Ezekiel chapters 10 and 11, and I'll give you the, the passages here. We'll read them. Now, the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple where the men went in. And a cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. And the cloud filled the temple and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of God. But the presence moved and it shifted over to the threshold from where it had been. It's kind of moving towards the door, actually. And then it goes later on in that passage, in that um, chapter, verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple Stopped over the cherubim, and while I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground, and as they went, the wheels went with them, and they stopped at the entrance to the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. So now, the presence has shifted, it went, went to the threshold, and now it's off to the east gate. The presence of God is, is leaving the temple. And in chapter 11, verse 23, the glory of the Lord went up from within the city, and stopped above the mountains east of it. The, the, the presence actually leaves the temple. And it's, we can see it happen. Not, it's, it's amazing the story and how it's told. So now that sets up um, the Babylonians are going to come. And, and they, they rise up and they come and they do indeed destroy Jerusalem. And they also destroy the temple. And what we have once again is that there's no place... On where heaven and earth meet on the earth. We don't have that spot. And that's always a big deal because that's the heart of God is that there'll be that place happening. And so uh, the, the people are taken into exile back to Babylon. The people of Israel, off they go into exile. They're going to be there for 70 years. Well, while they're there, the prophets start talking. So if you know this and you start reading the prophets, so a bunch of the prophets now are going to begin to make sense to you, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And they're talking about these things that are going to happen. And historically, we know they prophesy, hey, they're going to be gone for 70 years. And, uh, and then what's going to happen is the prophet starts saying, then we're going to get to go back and we're going to get to rebuild the temple. And the presence of God is going to come back into the temple. And so 
What is that going to look like? And that becomes a big question. Now, it's easier for us to see it now because we can look back through the cross. But they weren't sure what was going to happen and what it was going to look like. But in our scripture reading today, Isaiah begins to talk about what he says it's going to look like. Verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion... Jerusalem, your God reigns. That's the idea of the kingdom coming back. Listen, your watchmen lifts up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. They're going to know. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So the, the, Isaiah is setting up the picture of what it looked like when God reigns, when, when the kingdom is upon us. Um, Babylon will be overthrown. The exile will be over. Uh, and, and God is going to come and dwell with his people, and he's going to let his glory be known on the earth. That's what Isaiah said. That's what it's going to look like when, when things are happening the way they're supposed to. And another, Jeremiah comes in and he also says, he said, look, uh, when, when that happens, uh, then the new covenant is going to be happening, restoration is going to happen, and the spirit will be given because God will have come back to his house. So that's the sort of stuff that we're looking for. And so after 70 years, sure enough, Cyrus says, go ahead, you can go back, that's the king of Babylon, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild your temple, and they do, they leave, a bunch of them leave anyway, and they go back and they rebuild the temple, and something that they're waiting for doesn't happen. The presence of God doesn't show up. It doesn't come back. There's no glory of God. They've got the temple back and it just doesn't happen. And so they're not sure, you know, what were they looking for? And was it, you know, are they looking for a pillar and a cloud perhaps? Because Isaiah kind of alludes to that. You won't leave in haste or go in flight for the Lord will go before you. The God of your Israel will be your real guard. Or maybe it's more like the presence leaving that we read about in Ezekiel where there's these wheeling and whirring wheels and all kinds of stuff happening that they could see. Um, but it just doesn't happen. None of that happens. And they're aware that the glory of God is not in the temple. So they, what, what do we do? What's going on? Well, the, the last of the Old Testament prophets, a guy named Malachi, he says, oh, don't worry, he's coming back. It's just not going to look like any of those things. And he said, you're going to know, though. See, I'll send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you're seeking, what you're looking for, will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. It's just going to be different than what they were looking for. And what does it look like? Well, the messenger who prepares the way of the Lord, we know now, is John the Baptist. John the Baptist arrives on the scene, and he's, you know, uh, he's the first sort of New Testament prophet, if you would, or, or whatever you want to look at him as. But he prepares the way for Jesus, and then Jesus shows up. And what happens is that Jesus embodies heaven and earth. So there hasn't been a place where heaven and earth meet. Big deal, because that's the heart of God. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he's that place. In him, heaven and earth meet. Everything happens there. He embodies heaven and earth. He demonstrates what that looks like, that there's a connection. He's fully God. He's fully man. And, and see, it, it needed to happen this way because we just consistently weren't able to hold up our end of the deal. And we've been talking about that, right? I, mean, I keep telling you, God is faithful. It's so good God is faithful with promises because we're just 
not. And so what God does, because he loves us so much, and he wants this connection, and he wants to dwell with us, it says in, in that passage in Isaiah 52, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. What does that mean? It means this, because we can't keep our end of the deal, God himself is going to do it, and in effect, he's going to roll up his sleeves, that's what that looks like, and he's going to come. And that's what Jesus does. God, Jesus is, is fully God, fully man. He arrives on the scene to do what we couldn't. And it's because God loves us and wants to dwell with us that this happens. See, culturally sometimes people have this idea, and I talk to people in our culture like this, and they think God is this big, hard meanie, and the only way he could find any sort of way to be at peace with us is to kill his own son. And that's people's belief about who God is sometimes. And they miss seek because they don't know the story. And that's not it at all. God is so desperately in love with us and we were such a mess that God takes it, God rolls up his sleeves and does it himself because he loves us. And he comes and goes through that and dies for us and does all those things and defeats death and the, and the power of sin. He does it all because he loves us and wants to have life with us. That's the heart of God. That's the God that we are in relationship with. That's what he does. And so he, he embodies heaven and earth. He comes and he rolls up his sleeves and and he demonstrates in that way what it meant all along to be fully human and he does it as, as a place where heaven and earth meet now the apostle john gets a hold of this idea and we're gonna we'll, we'll go really deep next week into john chapter one so if you can read that in advance that would be great but what john does in that in that first chapter and sort of the prologue to the rest of the gospel and when you read John, I'm, I'm convinced that when John wrote it, he wrote all of the gospel, and then he came back and he wrote the first chapter, the prologue. He introduced it, because he gives us a lens at looking at the whole story. And he makes this connection in the prologue, John 1, one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. He makes this tie right there to creation. Remember, I told you how important the whole story is. And remember, a few weeks ago we were talking about creation, and I said, we got Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit there. you got the Spirit hovering over the waters, and you got the Father, and he speaks, and that's the Word. And so there we see this picture of, of the, the, the Trinity of God. And then we've been watching that come back because we see Jesus come, the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit now dwelling in us, and we're waiting for each other. All these things are going on, and John wants to make this connection. And if you pop ahead to verse 14, and we'll dig through the rest of it next week. This, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That word dwelling is an amazing word. Because it means... Jesus came and pitched his tent among us, or tabernacled among us. See, if you, if you, when you connect that, all of a sudden it's a big deal. Because what it's saying is, he's embodying heaven and earth. He's the place where heaven and earth meet. What happens when there's tabernacle? Well, the glory of God is evident, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That John was making that point. We saw it. We saw the glory of God. There's that, that's what was happening in Jesus. Heaven and earth met in Jesus. And we need to get a hold of that idea and what's happening there. And there's this heaven and earth point of contact in Jesus. And, and so when you see that, and then you can now you start to read the rest of the Gospel of John. In John 2, he goes right to I love this, early in the Gospel. Jesus visits the temple that they built. And he, they ask him questions. He says, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days. 
I love that they replied, it's taken 46 years to get it back to this point, which it wasn't nearly as good as it used to be. And you're going to raise it in three days? Ah, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus has spoken. There's this amazing thing that happens right then that I want to get you. You see, you need to get a hold of this and what was going on. See, they knew they would have studied as kids, his disciples, the book. They would have known big chunks of it. And yet they couldn't put it all together. They had sort of ideas and they, a lot of their ideas weren't right. But when you see what happens with John just then is all of a sudden the Apostle John goes, it all makes sense now. After the what? After the cross and the resurrection. Now looking back, they can see this is, this is what God's been talking about throughout the entire book. All of a sudden, they believed the scripture. The whole thing came to life. All of a sudden, see, in, in this series, this is one of my biggest hopes for you. Is that because I'm always telling you to read this book? Gotta read it, gotta read it, gotta read it. Yeah. Why? That all of a sudden my hope is it connects with you in that way and you'll go, look how much God loves me. Look at what He's done. Look at how He's pursued me. Look at how, how much He wants to be in relationship with me forever. Look at all the miracles and the things that He's doing and wants to do in my life. Look at how it all ties together and it's all there. And so that when you sit down to read it, I hope it just begins to pop alive to you. And it's not like, oh, this is a chore. I can't believe Pastor's making me read this thing. It's like, I, I need to read and see what happens. What happens next? What's going on? I haven't seen that story. I, I have read this book a whole lot of times. I promise you a whole lot of times. I still read it and go, I've never seen that before. I want that to be your experience. I want you to get it. And when you get a hold of the hope and the story, it will start happening. And you'll go, that's why that's there. See, that's what started happening to the guys as they were being with Jesus. Wait, wait, he didn't have 12 tribes. He had 12 disciples. He, well, he went to Egypt, just like Israel did. And then he gets rescued out of Egypt. He, he goes through the waters. He goes into the wilderness. He goes up onto a mountain and gives them the idea of how they're supposed to live. Do you see? It's a picture of what's happening in here and what Exodus looks like and all those things. And it's all in there for you to get a hold of. And it's over and over and over and over and over again. And when you get it, it changes the way you live now. But you have an enemy. Who wants to rip this away from you? Listen, let me get you this next point. The portable presence of the Lord. Because this is so cool. Isaiah 52, we're still there. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You who carry the vessels of the Lord. It was a picture of those who carried the, the presence of the Lord. And I want to tell you that the connection is that now you're the portable presence of the Lord because of what's happened. See, Paul tells us, and we've looked at this several times already, 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, that, that you are a temple of the Lord. Individually and corporately, we're the temple of the Lord as the church. But individually, Holy Spirit dwells in you. You carry Jesus with you everywhere you go, because Holy Spirit's with you. God, Jesus came, and God was with him everywhere he went, and now Holy Spirit's with us, and Jesus goes with us everywhere we go. You're the portable presence of the Lord. You bring the glory of the Lord to wherever you stand on the earth. You're it. You're the royal priesthood filled with the Spirit of God, and you make a difference everywhere you go. And you have an enemy... Who wants to rip that away from you? 
And that's why I'm always telling you, look, every day, you actually have to think about this. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm a child of the King. I have Holy Spirit dwelling in me. He leads me, He guides me, I'm in connection with Him. And the enemy will try and rip that out of you the moment that he can. Remember I told you the word, we sow the word, and the enemy steals it quickly as he can? I mean, that is such a pronounced thing that you need to know. That idea that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that it changes everything, that, that the enemy will try and steal that from you before I finish today. <laughs> you'll walk out into the parking lot, and someone will park stupidly, and you'll be done. And you have to, that's, see, that's the, oh, that's the battle. No, no, no. I'm a child of the king, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance. I have this amazing hope and future coming. Someday, very soon, Jesus is coming back. A new Jerusalem is coming down and the earth's going to be renewed and stored. And I get a brand new, brand new body. And I get to dwell with him forever. We're going to hang out. And there's going to be all sorts of adventures and stuff to do that we get to experience. That's our hope. It's not floating off on a cloud playing a harp. Because people go, why is that your hope? It's not. There's so much more. (sighs) Look what Paul says. Consequently. You are no longer foreigners and aliens. You're not just some random individual. Even as a believer, oh, I'm kind of kind of glad I found my way in. And I'm just kind of hanging out now till Jesus comes back. But that's it. You're fellow citizens with God's people, members of his family. That's what that really says when it says household. You're, you're the family of God. And you're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets because they got it. They connected it with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. See, that's what's happening. And, and we need to connect it and live it. We're not just oh, a bunch of people that go to church. Uh-uh. We're the temple of the living God, corporately and individually. We make a difference because we carry Jesus with us everywhere we go. And you never know when you're paying attention how miraculously he might show up and impact somebody and you. And that's how we need to live. That's what living in hope does. I'm going to press into more next week. I'll be back in John 1. So I want you to read it and get ready. But we're going to stop it there. Okay, Alice, why don't you come up and let's pray. Papa, thank you for your love for us and your goodness to us. You're an awesome God. I'm just watching children walk into the room. and I'm just thinking we're his kids and he loves it just like we do. To see us, and hang out with us, how amazing he is. Rest in the love of God for you. See yourself this week as his child. This Make yourself see yourself as his child, whom he loves, just loves, loves to be with, loves to hang out with. And let that settle on your hearts. I am a son. I am a daughter of the living God. Alice.
Amen. I have a word that I feel like some, maybe more than one of you needs to hear today. And it's in the kingdom of heaven, oftentimes victory comes through surrender. And so the Lord wants you, this is really simple, let it go. And I feel like you're struggling with a family relationship, a close family relationship. Just let it go. Just let it go. If you have to sing the song from Frozen, that's cool. But let it go. <laughs> do you want to do that now? Not me, but you're, you're, do you have your tiara so you could do it? And then uh, Miss Alicia has one, and she felt like someone um, during worship was asking God, how do I open a door? How do I round that corner? And um, she has a scripture for you. It's Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. And, and she had a real strong sense that you're supposed to press into that scripture, like write it on a post-it note, put it on your bathroom mirror. But really ask God to reveal to you what that means. And then I'm going to ask Pastor Georgina to come up, and she had a word. I'm going to let her give it to you because I'll mess it up. Good morning. Well, we were singing Grace into Garden. This word came to me, um, wait, is what, it, what came to me. So I was like, Lord, what is wait? What do you mean wait? And I feel like when we heard the words, um, you turn mourning to dancing and give beauty for ashes and turn shame into glory, you felt left behind. You felt like, what about me, Lord? And I felt that God is saying, wait, wait for me. And then the Bible verse, Isaiah 40, 31, came to mind, too, that says, on those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So wait on the Lord. Amen. 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 Everything starts with Jesus, guys. That's, I will say it every time that we get together. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, now's the perfect time. We, we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's how our story starts, this amazing story. That's how you get in. If you've never done it, please do it now. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And if you do that, sitting here in the room or even online, just let me know. You can text the word heart to me so I'll know. All right? To that number, 305-745-7513. And then I'll know and we can celebrate. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, also, thank you for your amazing generosity, folks, and your faithfulness to your giving and tithing and offering. You guys are awesome, and we do appreciate all of that. Let's sing doxology, and then it will rain children, which I like watching. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Have a great, great day, everybody. We'll get these doors open for you in just a moment. So please head out that way and have a great day. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. We'll see you soon. God bless you.
Thank you for watching online. We love all of you and hope it's an amazing and powerful thing. So hope that happens uh, for you and that you can just kind of and get ready. Read John 1. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. See God you bless soon. you. Bye-bye. Robin pronounced it.